Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a forewarning today that you are not going to want to listen to this session on an empty stomach. Today, we have grilling expert Jake Oxner from the Shield store in the Colony, Texas, who's going to talk to us all about grilling, tips and tricks, his favorites, hopefully a couple secrets along the way. So uh, thank you for joining us, Jake. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, Mike, thanks for having me. Um, as you said, uh, uh, work down here at the Colony store um, here in Texas. Um, I've been with Shields for almost eight years now. Uh, started as a part-time employee in our Fargo store selling shoes. Um, have a passion for the outdoors and eventually made my way up to the second floor where all the fun stuff is. Um, it was a uh, manager of the hunting footwear department for a while before moving down here. Um, and now kind of in my current role as an assistant store leader here, uh, oversee uh, shotgun department, optics, ammo, um, all that hard to get fun stuff um, that makes my day-to-day super interesting down here right now. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about the Texas store, how long you guys have been open now, how things have been going? Yeah, yeah, it's been going great. Uh, super busy. We've been open for about 11 months now, so almost coming up on that one-year anniversary. We opened uh, May 1st, 2020. Um, huge store. It's actually our biggest store, largest sporting goods store in the world, just over 330,000 square feet. Um, so we've got a lot of huge stores in our company. This one is the biggest by far. You know, everything's bigger in Texas, so uh, we figured if we were going to put uh, put the biggest one ever, uh, this is a great spot for it. Um, we're in a pretty cool area. It's called the Grandscape. It's kind of a, uh, eat, shop, live type of place. Uh, they've got uh, a bunch of restaurants and bars. They've got living space. They've got a 5 million square foot furniture store. They've got all sorts of stuff. So it's a really cool area, and uh, it's been a really good home for Shields so far. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So what, uh, what shops did you say you covered now? Yeah, so right now I currently supervise the uh, uh Shotgun, reloading, optics, ammunition, um, and muzzle loading. So, okay. And are, are you a big hunter yourself then? Yeah, for sure. Um, love love to hunt. Uh, whether it's birds or big game, I would say for sure birds is probably probably my favorite. Growing up, uh, my family is from South Dakota, so been shooting pheasants for a long time. And then more recently, before moving down to Texas, got into waterfowl a bit more. But anything that flies for sure is probably my biggest passion out uh, in the outdoors. But definitely like you know deer hunt and do all that kind of stuff as well. Okay, very nice. So, uh, what do you like hunting down in Texas? Yeah, it's certainly different. Um, like I said, a lot of a lot of pheasants, ducks, and geese up there in in North Dakota, South Dakota area. But you know, down here, obviously, uh, hog hunting is a huge thing. You know, hunting off feeders or hunting at night with thermals, which is pretty cool. Um, as far as fishing, obviously, different species as well. You know, being more of a bass area, obviously, um, we're chasing striper uh, up on Lake Texoma. I've done that a handful of times, which has been really fun too. So it's been kind of fun. It's really it's quite different. You know, kind of the, even the style of hunting for the same type of animals that you would do in the upper Midwest doing in Texas is different. So it's been fun. It's been a good time kind of learning how they do things down here and, and chasing after some different game. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never hunted in Texas before, but I always wanted to. I always really wanted to try hog hunting. That just really intrigued me. Yeah, that's fun. You can do it. You know, do it year round. Um, do it at night during do it during the day. Uh, guns, bows, all sorts of stuff. So it's it is a cool cool uh, draw to Texas, and certainly something a lot of a lot of local people do, and a lot of people that travel into Texas do a ton. Very nice. And then you mentioned striper fishing too. Like how, how do you even do that? Yeah. So, uh, Texoma is a, it's a lake right between Texas and Oklahoma, pretty big body of water. And, uh, you know, depending on the time of the year, you can, uh, you can top water fish for them, which is really fun. Got to do that a couple of times. Um, but good eating fish, fun fish to catch. Um, they group up a bit. So when you get on them, especially on a top water bite, you can see them from across the lake and it's just fun chasing them across the lake uh during the summer and um just a good time something like i said very different from uh stuff you would catch maybe up up north in minnesota and uh, the dakotas Mm -hmm. absolutely all right well uh let's let's move a little into the into the grilling portion of things how did you uh first develop a passion for uh for getting into grilling yeah um Certainly, you know, family growing up, we always had a grill or whatnot, like like most people. But truthfully, I didn't really get into it as far as, you know, being passionate about it until uh, working at Shields and getting my first Traeger. Um, it had been probably about four or five years ago. Um, I got my first one and didn't really know a whole bunch about it right away. Had to learn, um, you know, how to use it, what it was good for, you know, kind of different, uh, different tips and tricks depending on what you're making or cooking or grilling. But... It's just what pulled me in so much was just after you kind of figured it out, just how easy it was um, to make cheap or inexpensive food or really any type of food just tastes really good. So um, for about the last four or five years, I've had a couple different Traegers since then, just upgrading to new models or to larger, larger grills and just been fun to, uh, whether it's processing game or just making meals at home, it's just cool to see all the different things you can do with, with a piece of equipment like that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So do you, uh, do you like to stick mainly with the pellet grills or do you do all sorts of different kinds of grilling? Um, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Mainly, the, mainly pellet grills. Um, I do have a really awesome, uh, portable Weber that's awesome for hunting and fishing trips. Um, got some time on, uh, some, uh, uh flat top grills, which you're seeing are becoming more and more popular, um, from like, uh, pit boss and some other brands. Um, we do, we do a lot of business with those kind of types of grills. So I've been doing a little bit with them, not a ton, but mainly, mainly pellet grills for sure is, uh, what I use the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, t- you touched on, uh, you know, bringing those portable grills on your hunting and fishing trips. And let me tell yeah. you, there's nothing better and more satisfying than having a successful hunting or a fishing trip and, you know, tossing what you catch or what you shoot on the grill and having it right there in the campfire. You just really, really icing on the cake on that one. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't agree more. Okay. So, um, what is your, what is your absolute favorite thing to make on the grill? That's tough. Um, probably my friends and family, probably what I'm most known for is brisket on the Traeger. Um, you know, kind of, I could kind of share some of my processes I, I use for that. There's a ton of different ways to cook brisket on a smoker. 
Um, you know, you look online, if you look on, you know, uh, like your Traeger app on your phone or something and look at different recipes and different ingredients people use, there's a, there's a thousand ways to do them. And I've done them a handful of different ways over, over the last four or five years that I've been making them and slowly kind of changing the way I do it. But, um, you know, low and slow, obviously the name of the game there, uh, the way I cook my briskets take about 16 to 18 hours. So there's a little bit of planning involved, right. Of, of, of picking out uh, your brisket, trimming it, seasoning it, um, and then uh, putting it on the grill. You know, if you want to eat at noon on a Sunday, you got to have that thing on by Saturday at 6 o'clock at night. So there's a little bit of prep work involved and a little bit of time, uh, you know, planning it out, so to speak. But uh, a couple of things that I've found to be super successful uh, of making good briskets. Um, one of the first things I did early on was halfway through the cook, I would put it in a tin foil pan and wrap it. It was awesome because you'd get uh, a really, uh, really uh, juicy piece of meat. It wouldn't be dried out or anything, especially when you're cooking something that long. It's easy to dry it out. So that worked really well. Bad part about that, though, is you lose all the bark on, on the brisket. So, you know, the texture is, is pretty much the same throughout. You don't have that, like, kind of almost that hard uh, exterior um, that you'd get um, from a really good piece of brisket. So um, a couple of years ago, I stopped doing that. And to kind of combat that, um, I don't brine my briskets, but I do season them about 24 hours in advance before I cook them. So I'll get my brisket, trim it up, season it. Uh, I personally use uh, Rick salt. It's just like a kind of an all-purpose seasoning salt that we sell uh, at Shields. Uh, pretty much all of our stores carry it. Uh, it's a great all-purpose seasoning, but really good for beef specifically. Um, so I'll coat that on there pretty heavily after I trim it wrap it in plastic and then leave it in the fridge for a day. So I found that that helps, helps you retain a lot more moisture when you do that. Um, so I'll do that uh, is one of the, the things that kind of took me a couple years to figure out. Um, and that's been huge, especially now the fact that I'm not wrapping them like I was before um, getting that uh, to help with the moisture of the, of the brisket helps a ton. Mm, absolutely. And, and what are you doing for like temperature, temperature control you, you ask, yeah. fireboard stuff like that yeah good question so um i recently upgraded to the traeger pro 780 um so it's actually they've got three main lines of grills pro series they've got the ironwood series and the timberline series and the pro series is, is honestly more on their uh entry level side but um big feature that they have now is the wi-fi you know the wi-fi um so you can control the temperature of your grill you know from your phone as long as uh, your grill's connected to uh, to the internet, which is huge. So, uh, especially nice when you're doing those overnight cooks because you you don't have to you know get out of bed, go downstairs, you know flip on the back porch light and go out and and you know check on your food. You can do it you know right from right from inside the house, which is sweet. But you know when you're doing a, a cook like a brisket, like we were talking about, you know starting off that at 160 to 180 degrees is perfect. It gets kind of get that smoke ring um, into the meat right away. Um, after that, I'll do that for maybe three hours or so, and then I'll go up to about 200, 220, um, and let that go pretty much throughout the night. Um, and then when the meat gets to about, I don't know, probably 180 degrees internal temperature, maybe 170 degrees internal temperature, crank it up to about 225 to 240, um, until that brisket reaches 203 degrees internally. Um, one important thing to note about that is when you're cooking meat, especially on a smoker and especially on those really long cooks, 
you're not necessarily cooking for uh, an amount of time. You're cooking to an internal temperature that's desired for that for that particular piece of meat. So for brisket, your target temperature uh, for moving it off of the smoker or the grill is like that 203 degree, 205 degree mark. Why that's super important. If you take it off earlier, it's going to be really tough and not have a, a tender texture to it. If you take it off after that, it's going to start to dry out on you. So there's that kind of that perfect window of when you need to take it off um, to make sure you get, you know, the best texture and moisture possible for that. Mm-hmm. And um, what have you found is like a margin of error in time for, for getting that brisket off to make it perfect? Like, do you have to hit it within minutes or do you have like 10, 15 minutes? What are you thinking there? Yeah, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not super sensitive by any means. The great thing about like Traegers with their new Wi-Fi or two is you can set a target temperature on your phone from the app. So your phone will alert you. Uh, so if you want to set your brisket, you know, your probe to 203 degrees, the grill will actually notify your phone when it's hit that temperature you're looking for. So you can go out and, and check on it and pull it off if need be. So it's not extremely sensitive, but, um, you know, having it within a couple of degrees, that 203 is pretty, pretty crucial. And then the other thing, you know, after you take it off the grill, you know, you don't want to just put it on a serving tray, slice it up right away and, and start eating. Super important to let it rest for a while so that meat does maintain all the moisture and doesn't dry out on you. Most guys do, including myself, wrap it in a, in a clean towel and put it inside like your Yeti cooler or a, uh, or just any cooler you have and let it sit in there for an hour. Um, another, another tip or trick for that, if your brisket gets done way too soon, you can stick it in that cooler. I've done it for three or four hours um, where I just, I didn't plan it right or it cooked faster than I thought it did. I uh, put it in the cooler for three or four hours until it was time to eat and uh, had everyone over for uh, for an event. And it was still hot. It was still warm, cut up really nice. Um, no one would have known unless I had told them that, hey, it's, it's been done for three or four hours. So kind of a good good uh, good thing to know if you're cooking a brisket and trying to time it out. You know, if you're having guests or family over for an event or something, sometimes it's that's kind of the uh, the worrisome or the um, the thing that people tend to maybe get intimidated about when cooking something for so long. It's like plan it out a couple hours early. If it's done before then, great. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's great advice there. You know, a lot of people's pain points with, uh, with the whole brisket is the timing thing. You know, you're, you're generally making it for a special event, such as like a family gathering or whatever. And you're kind of on a time constraint, like, Hey, we want this done by one o'clock. You know, sometimes things don't quite go as according to plan. So yeah, just, uh, you know, have that cooler ready and make sure that it's wrapped. Um, you know, one last question on temperature though. So for the, for the people that don't have a Traeger with the, with the Wi-Fi or like, what are your recommendations on temperature control in that case? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So there's a few different ways you can do it. Um, the uh, Traegers I've had before this, the, the Pro 780 that I have now didn't have the Wi-Fi capabilities. It's a relatively new thing for Traeger. So um, I actually have some experience with, with that as well. And there's a few companies that make um, that make uh, temperature, you know, sensing or temperature probes for checking the internal temperature of a meat or a grill. So um, even like the Pro 22, which Traeger makes now, which is a non-Wi-Fi grill, you can use the temperature probe that's built into the unit to monitor temperature. Now, if you kind of want to go wireless like the new Traegers do, and you have maybe an older Traeger or a, a Pit Boss or even a, a gas or charcoal grill, um, 
uh, Fireboard is probably the, the top brand in the category there. Um, you can get different units that have different amounts of probes. So if you want to measure the air temperature of your grill or smoker, you can do that. If you have maybe different kinds of meat on the grill, you can uh, you can probe them and kind of monitor them separately and individually. So Fireboard would be a great brand to check out if you have maybe an older smoker or grill but kind of want those modern technologies in there. Um, head to the store and check those out. They're really, really cool. Um, they've got a few different models too. So, you know, you just talk to, talk to one of the guys in the shop and they'll kind of steer in the direction of which one would work best for you. Mm-hmm. Perfect to know. All right. Well, you know, we've, we've covered that temperature factor pretty well. Um, what are some other common mistakes or, you know, mistakes you've made on things in the past and how to, how to kind of prevent that? Yeah. Um, you know, if we're going to talk, you know, any, any type of grill, but, you know, going back to like pellet style grills and, uh, or even flat top grills, it's just maintenance and taking care of them. You know, some, t- they can be pretty large investments. So, um, there's a lot of great accessories you can pick up of like cleaning kits or even like, uh, cleaning sprays or solutions to help keep your grill or smoker clean. Uh, you know, buying a cover, you know, seems like, okay. Maybe that's not something I need. It's going to stay in the garage. It's not going to be outside all the time. Well, even just having a cover, honestly, just keeps keeps dust off of it, keeps moisture out of the grill, especially now with a lot of grills having electronics on them. Um, buying covers, you know, doing regular maintenance on them too, whether that's cleaning the grates, whether that's scrubbing the inside of your grill or smoker, doing stuff like that can really extend the life of the grill too. Um, it is a common, maybe not common, but it is a, something you'll see with maybe a uh, new smoker or new grill owners. They'll maybe have expectations that, Hey, you know, these are so easy and simple that the maintenance is also so easy and simple. Know that it is simple and it's not, it doesn't take a whole bunch of time. It is something you got to make sure you stay on top of to make sure that your grill is going to uh, perform correctly and last you a long time. Cause they will last you a long time if you take care of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good advice. So let's uh, let's move into some different different types of meat. I want to I want to hear your process. So yeah. first one, many people's favorites. Let's let's hear Jake's secrets on ribs. Ribs, yeah. Um, I don't cook a ton of ribs, but um, I have done them obviously. You know, a few times. Um, one of the super common methods that I find works super well for me is just the three two one method for ribs. Um, and what the three two one stands for three hours of smoke, two hours wrapped, and an hour with sauce. So um, basic preparation for that, get your favorite seasoning. Um, sometimes you'll put like a rub on them. Like a lot of people will, will put mustard on their ribs before they put seasoning on them, or maybe honey or butter are often used. But for me, what I'll do, um, make sure you have the membrane off the back of the, the rack of ribs. Sometimes there's like a thin film you'll see on the back. Um, just check that before you start uh, applying any seasoning. It comes off pretty easy. You can just use a knife and kind of just peel it off. It uh, should come off in one big piece. Uh, but So double check that right away for sure. Grab your fa- favorite seasoning or rub. Um, Meat Mitch has some really good stuff. Uh, Meat Mitch Womp. It's in a black, uh, black butt container. Super good for ribs uh, or pork butts or something like that. So I really like it for pork. Um, apply that pretty generously. Uh, Get your smoker going about 160, 180 degrees. Stick the, the uh, rack right on the right on the grate uh, of your grill or smoker. Let it go for three hours at that 160, 180 degrees. And kind of what that's doing is it's getting that smoke flavor in there, whether it's charcoal 
wood pellet or even just like wood briquettes. Uh, it's getting that smoke flavor into the meat and it's also starting obviously to, to cook it for a while. After that three hours, pull it off the grill, turn your grill up a little bit. You can maybe go to like 225, uh, right around there. Um, you're going to make a foil boat for it. A lot of people here are going to put brown sugar on top, uh, maybe some honey, uh, maybe some uh, chunks of butter. Put it inside that boat, and you're going to go put it back on for a couple hours. Um, and what that's doing for you, getting that moisture into the meat so it's not drying out, um, adding some more flavor, adding those couple more ingredients to it, um, and just, again, continually cooking it low and slow, low and slow. Two hours later, you're going to pull it off the grate, take it out of the boat, put your sauce on there. Um, and you can do it, you know, most people apply sauce maybe two or three times throughout this, this final hour of the cook. So put some on there, get it back on the grill, you know, maybe turn it up to maybe 300 or so, or 250 to 300. Um, and kind of what you're doing there is, you know, just finishing a finishing the cook, but be caramelizing that sauce uh, onto the ribs. So you kind of get that sticky kind of texture that, you know, you've had ribs where, um, they're almost sticky, right? They're not super runny where the sauce is running off, uh, running off the rib. It's kind of sticking to the meat. And that's kind of the goal of that final hour. So it's a super simple way to do ribs. Um, for me, I like my ribs somewhere between fall off the bone and, you know, you have to chew on it a little bit. And I think the three, two, one does a pretty good method of that, um, to where you get that nice, uh, texture that you look for in, in a really good set uh, rack of ribs. Okay. Very nice. So a couple of questions for you here. Are you, are you a, a dry rub or a sauce kind of guy? And then, um, um yeah. you know, go through a couple of your favorites of each of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, for ribs, I, you know, I use both, but I definitely like putting sauce on them on the, on the grill. I like that, that texture that it gives the outside of the rib. Um, and I'll probably even honestly use more sauce after the cook too. Uh, when I'm eating them. But again, it's kind of a preference thing. Some people like a, like a dry rub and dip it into a favorite sauce or or maybe they don't want sauce at all. <clears throat> I definitely prefer the sauce. Some good rubs to use. Um, I had mentioned the Meat Mitch Womp is really good. Um, there's some a uh, couple brands actually local to Texas, uh, Meat Church and Suckle Buster, which are kind of fun names. Um, <laughs> they both have some cool stuff. Um, uh, that definitely be worth checking out. They each make uh, different lines of uh, of rubs, chicken, beef, pork, um, some that are great for all. Um, but definitely check out Suckle Buster and Meat, uh, Suckle Buster and uh, Meat Church. As far as sauces go, we've got a lot of them. Um, if you've been been in your local Shields and looked at the uh, the sauce wall or the, the uh, seasoning wall, there's a ton of options. Um, you know, the best thing I always tell people is buy a few, try them, find out what you like. Uh, my favorites for sauce, Meat Mitch Womp. Uh, it's in a black bottle. Um, good for dipping, good for cooking. Um, that's by far my favorite that I use for almost anything that uh, I want barbecue sauce on, whether that's pork or, or like a brisket. Um, Old West is another really good one. It's a little sweeter. Uh, it's, it's thicker, you know, more molasses-y. Um, that's from, that's out of South Dakota. Um, that's a really good one. I, ha I actually, even before my time at Shields, it was something that we always had at home growing up. And I found it funny that a couple years into my Shields career that we picked it up and it's been, it's been a really good seller for us. 
Um, one more sauce I would say to give a shot. You could try some of the Traeger stuff. Like the apricot one's pretty popular. For me, not much of one I would use for dunking, more for cooking. Um, which, again, it's something you just got to play around with, right? Like some of them are really good to cook with, but not the best for dipping your food in after and vice versa. I feel like that apricot adds a pretty good flavor when it's getting cooked onto something, but not something that's maybe it's maybe it's a little too strong for me for using as like a dipping sauce after. Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of sauces that you mentioned that I haven't tried yet, but uh, you know, I have done the Traeger apricot and I am, I am definitely a big fan of that. And as you said, yeah, it's, it's great with cooking. Um, you know, it's good after his dipping sauce, yep. but um yeah, it's it's definitely worth a try. And the best thing is like th- that Shields wall of of sauces and spices. It's like almost overwhelming. But you know, yeah. that just means you can cook a whole bunch and try it. Try a whole Perfect. bunch of different things and and figure out yeah. what you like. Um, yep. what, what about a sauce that's that's got some kick? What's your recommendation for that? Um, we've got the uh, Touch of Heat by Rufus Teague. Again, that's a really thick one. Um, a good one to cook with. I like that one with like chicken wings. Um, so if you're doing like wings on the grill and that's, that's a great way for, you know, you mentioned, like I said, we've talked a little bit about like how many options there are. If you want to try new rubs, you want to try new sauces, making chicken wings is a great idea because you can do three or four different flavors and different combinations. Try to try different stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that touch of heat's a pretty good one too. Um, that I like quite a bit. We've, we've had that one at the store for quite a while now and it's been a pretty good seller. Very nice. Um, how about steak? Like when you do your steaks, are you doing them on the pellet grill too, or do you like to use a different method of cooking for that? Honestly, kind of depends. Um, what kind of steak I'm grilling or cooking. Um, but yeah, like for venison steaks, for example, like a flat top is really good or even just uh, like cast iron on the stove. Um, venison is really touchy because it dries out so easy because it's so lean. So for me, I normally get, get like a cast iron or get it on a flat top, um, season it up really good, uh, lots of butter with it. And it's a quick like six, seven minute cook um, on a really high temperature. So I normally don't use a, a pellet smoker or, a, or charcoal for that. Um, normally I try to do that one on, on a pan. Um, you can do it, you can do it and have really good results on, on, uh, on like a, a pellet or a propane or gas grill, but it is pretty sensitive and pretty easy to dry out. We talked about how the brisket has a kind of a big window of pulling, pulling off and still having a, a good, uh, good cook, pretty, pretty touchy with venison. It's, it's pretty quick, pretty small window you have to hit to have a good steak, um, for regular steaks, you know, ribeyes, sirloins, T-bones. I do use, uh, use my uh, pellet grill the most for sure. Um, one thing that, uh, like the pit boss and Traegers of the world, you know, one kind of hindrance they've had versus a gas grill or even like a charcoal grill, like a, like a green egg is temperature. Um, they haven't been able to get as hot as those kind of grills traditionally have, have been able to. Um, and up until a couple of years ago, you know, a Traeger would normally tap out at about maybe 400, 450 degrees at the absolute most. But now uh, with the recent line of grills, you can get your pit bosses and Traegers north of 500 degrees, um, which is really key when you're cooking steak um, to get a good 
get a good crust on it and get a good sear on it. Um, so yeah, normally I'll just crank the Traeger up, uh, you know, 450 degrees or so. Um, Rick salt is pretty much all I ever used for steak, which was the same thing I'd mentioned for brisket. I just, it's something I've, I've had for a long time growing up. Um, and just haven't found anything that's beat it yet. Um, so I use that for all my, all my steaks on the Traeger, um, get the grill really hot first and grill it like you normally would. Um, you can smoke it first and do a reverse sear also. Um, what you're going to want to do there is get your, your, uh, your smoker up to 160, 180 degrees, throw your steaks on for maybe 30, 40 minutes, pull them off, uh, pull them off the grill, get your smoker or grill as hot as it can go, put them back on. Um, and that's kind of a reverse sear method that a lot of people like to use with a pellet style grill. For me, honestly, though, I just go high heat right away and grill it like you would on, on a gas or a charcoal grill and have pretty good results with that. Okay. Good to know. Um, one last type of meat I want to cover. So I'm i I'm a big turkey hunter. I, I really enjoy spring turkey season and I'm, I'm fingers crossed. I'm going to be successful. Um, what is, what is your favorite way to cook wild turkey? Wild turkey. Um, Traeger does a really, really good, uh, brine kit. It actually comes in a specific bag that's labeled turkey pellets. So it's a blend of a couple different uh, pellets and then it comes with a brine kit. Those brine kits, um, done correctly, make the best turkey ever. Again, turkey kind of has sometimes has a stigma of like, oh, you know, it always gets dry. It's never tender. Um, doing a brine helps with that a ton. And that brine kit is super simple. Um, comes with instructions, comes with the pellets you need to do the job. And it's just super simple. And even whether you're doing, you know, wild turkey, like, uh, like we got the you know, season coming up here uh, very shortly, or even just one for Thanksgiving in the fall, um, that brine kit is super easy and has really good results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll agree with you 100% on the brine. Like literally the most important part of a wild turkey is you got to brine that thing. Cause like the first, first couple I shot, you know, I just threw it on a, a regular gas grill and it was just tough as nails. It was like, yeah, I don't even, I don't even want to eat this thing. But then we moved on to, uh, moved on to using the pellet grill and then to brining it, you know, brine it for 24 hours and just makes an absolute world of difference on that. Yeah, I'm, gra- I'm glad you brought up wild game because that has been probably one of my favorite things about owning a, a grill that's also a smoker. You know, it's also basically an oven all in one, right? Processing your own game, having having a smoker like a Traeger or even like a vertical, like a pit boss, you are a pretty common option that we sell in the store. Um, for those who like to process their own game, Having these grills gives you the option to be able to do that kind of stuff on your own and also just use it for everyday cooking like burgers and brats or steaks like we talked about earlier. So one of the one of the coolest things or one of the best, uh, my favorite ways to use a Traeger is, is using it for game processing, whether that's venison, um, whether that's uh, like goose pastrami, snack sticks, jerky, you name it. Um, so that's another awesome benefit. So I'm glad you brought up, uh, you know, wild turkey and kind of getting back into a, a hunting season. You know, another great reason to to have a have one of those grills. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So you can, you know, if you if you buy all your your food processing equipment like your grinders and your stuffers and all that, so like you can do the do the sausage on a Traeger. 
Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, we did, uh, uh, I got a deer actually flew up to South Dakota, um, this last year season and shot a doe, um, back at my, uh, my family's place. And then a coworker of mine here actually shot a deer down here in Texas. So we processed both of those deer at home in my kitchen. Um, yeah, had a grinder, stuffer, mixer, and the trigger. And we, uh, in one day we cranked out, I think it was about 110 or 120 pounds of finished product. Um, anything from ground breakfast sausage, ground Italian sausage. Uh, we did snack sticks and a couple different flavors. We did some brats. Um, it's really nice because you can basically have that smoker at home to uh, do all your game processing, which honestly saves you a ton of money. Um, and the last time I processed a deer was at a, at a meat locker. It's probably, probably four or five years ago. I think my bill was, you know, north of $200 for one small deer that I cleaned. I, you know, trimmed all myself, literally brought it in the most perfect way possible. Uh, so they didn't have to do any kind of work. And, you know, you're still north of a couple hundred bucks for a small deer. Um, if you, if you kind of learn how to use your smoker, um, you know, find a buddy. If you don't, then maybe that process is game. It's, it's a lot of fun. Honestly, it's super rewarding. You take a lot of pride in it. Um, but it does save you a ton of money and kind of helps you maybe justify some of the, uh, the prices of, you know, buying a grill or buying equipment. It doesn't take long to save a bunch of money and make it, uh, make it worthwhile to own for those reasons as well. That's very cool. And that's something I need to try. Um, I'd like you to touch a little bit on just kind of the process on how you do it. Like, so how much are you able to put on your, on your pellet grill at one time and like, do you, do you use the smoke settings and then um, you do like a, like a sausage in 25 pounds and move to a different thing and then sure. and then like process the the next piece while the one is smoking like how, how does that whole whole thing work yeah that's a good question um, yeah sorry again, for the weird question but no, you know good. there's a lot of things running out in my head it's like I want to try <laughs> this I need to know how to do it yeah for sure um, Good questions for sure. Similar to the brisket, trial and error for sure. But um, I'll tell you, processing game is all about efficiency. Um, it's a long process, and you don't want to make it longer. So, A, having an extra set of hands is, is huge. But, so, yeah, definitely some things uh, to hit on a few of the, the questions you had asked. Um, we sell, actually, some pretty, pretty easy-to-use kits uh, at Shields from uh, High Country and LEM does kits, whether you want to do ground meat, you know, snack sticks, jerky, sausage, summer sausage, uh, you name it, polar sausage. There's tons of different ways you can use your venison to, uh, to make food or whatever. But um, as far as the grill goes, yeah. So like my Pro 780 has one full-size rack and then a second half rack. If I'm doing snack sticks, um, you can probably get about probably about seven pounds, maybe, maybe a little bit more on at a time. Um, so to your point, when I'm doing a, a day of processing, anytime I'm actually going to smoke something, that's what I start with. I'm going to get, get the Traeger ready, have it preheated. Um, there's all instructions on, on your temperatures, right on the packaging of, of whatever kit you buy. Um, most of the time you're going to go right around a couple hundred degrees. Um, it's pretty, pretty slow. 
uh, pretty low and slow, but it does go by pretty quick. Like you can run through a batch of snack sticks and, you know, two to three hours at the most. So it really doesn't take a ton of time on the grill, but I'll always start with that because I know that's going to be the longest and most time and labor intensive portion. So once I have all my snack sticks, for example, um, you know, grind all the meat, mix it, stuff it. All right. That's going on the trigger. While that's smoking, it's a great time to do like your ground stuff. So if you want to do like a ground breakfast sausage, if you want to do like a sage sausage, something like that, uh, bacon burgers, another really good one too. I'll do that while the stuff's smoking. So that I'm, you know, doing more than one thing at one time. Um, while that's being smoked, uh, I still have time to do other stuff um, and package and go through all that ground stuff. The nice thing about doing all the ground stuff, it's really quick and easy. You're not stuffing it into casings. You're not busting casings because you're trying to go faster than you should be. And um, it's pretty simple. So starting with anything that's going to get smoked for sure will save you a bunch of time. Um, and then doing maybe some of those easier uh, easier uh, items like, said, like a ground sausage or something like that while you've already got stuff on the smoker. But, you know, we did that 110 pounds. We got it. 110, 120 pounds. We did it pretty much a day. It was like 14 hour day, but, um, you know, there was maybe 40 pounds of it that I had to smoke the next day, but that Traeger ran for literally 14, 15 hours that day without any issue and keep an eye on it, you know, use your temperature probes to try to measure where your, where your, uh, meat is at. The app is super helpful there. I'm not going back from kitchen with gloves on out to Traeger, checking temperature back and forth, back and forth, just saves a ton of time. Um, it makes you more efficient, which again, when you're processing game is, is kind of the name of the game. You do not want to make that long process longer and uh, make it into a, a longer day than it needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love the time saving on that. You know, you, you spend all that time prepping your game and then you, you know, you send it off to a meat locker and like, you're lucky to get it back in a couple of months, you mm-hmm. know, but then, you know, do it yourself and, you know, you end up saving a bunch of money in the long run and, uh, you know, get it back faster and can kind of tweak the recipe yourself. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. That is a huge benefit of it for sure. And, you know, again, to, to talk to someone who's maybe intimidated by the process or unsure of it, you know, I'm sure you don't hunt by yourself. I'm sure you've got family or friends that you hunt with go in on a set of processing gear together. You know, one of you buy the grinder, one of you buy a stuffer, one of you buy a sealer. It's not as price intensive as most people think. Um, you can be smart about it. Um, but over time, man, gear number four, five, or six, you know, you've got your equipment paid for. And again, to your point, you know what's going into your meat. You can do it whenever you want it. It's your deer that you're getting every time back. Um, and then you take a lot of pride in it too, you know, sharing it with other people. I would, I would bet out of the, you know, if I have a hundred pounds of venison in the freezer, I probably eat 40 pounds of it and the other 60 pounds I, you know, give to friends and family or bring to social gatherings or something. Just cause you take a lot of pride in it. It's fun to, fun to give it to someone. And they're like, Hey, where'd you have this made? And say, Oh, my garage, you know, or my kitchen. <laughs> I did this myself with a buddy, uh, you know, last Thursday or whatever the case may be. So you take a lot of pride in that too. And, um, it's cool. It's, it's pretty rewarding. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, one of my favorite things is bringing, you know, jerky or deer sausage to an event, you know, like number one, you get to share that stuff. Cause it's a, you know, it gets to be a lot to consume, you know, like just yourself or your, or your family, you can get tired of it after a, after a certain time, but then, you know, it just opens up to stories too. Like then you can tell the story of your hunt. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. That, uh, that's a great point or bring it with when you're on your next, next adventure sitting in the blind and it's kind of, kind of uh, ironic when you're sitting in a deer blind eating deer from <laughs> the season before and maybe gives you some extra motivation when you're in the deer stand. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. And just a nice little extra motivator. It's like, I need this jerky next year too. I got I to gotta come through. For sure. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, so we've talked about quite a few different kinds of meat. Um, what we haven't covered yet is like sides. What are your, what are your favorite sides to make on the, on the pellet grill? Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, a lot of people, you know, assume Traeger, you know, smoker, it's for meat only. Well, the great thing is, you know, you've kind of got the temperature control of like an oven is well built into it. So you can bake stuff on it. Um, I've done cinnamon rolls on them before, cookies, pizzas, um, a, a crowd favorite for sure. And it goes well with barbecue is, is uh, mac and cheese on the Traeger. Uh, there's a couple of recipes on the Traeger app, which if you don't have, if you have a Traeger, you don't have the Traeger app, definitely go download it. A lot of good uh, recipes on there, tips and tricks, um, cool stuff, cool content that they post on there. But I stole the mac and cheese recipe off the Traeger app. I tried for the first time about uh, six or eight months ago, and I've, I've made it a handful of times since. It was a, it was a big hit. But again, you think about you know being down in Texas, middle of the summer, it's 110 degrees outside. I would much rather have my Traeger rolling outside cooking food for me than having the oven on for three hours uh, while you're inside all day heating up the house. So um, you can literally use it as an oven. It works almost identical, but you can actually add maybe some extra flavor to some foods uh, rather than just cooking them on the stove or in the oven in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I may not be in Texas and it's not 110 degrees, but, you know, up, up here in Fargo, it's still you know, it can hit nineties easy. So, it's, mm-hmm. and I'm with you a hundred percent. You don't want to fire up that oven in the middle of summer. That's just a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, like I said, they're just so versatile and that's, that's the key to it is, you know, you think you're buying it for one reason. It turns out you also use it for reasons B, C, and D. And the more, the more uh, in tune and the more uh, familiar you get with them, you just kind of realize how, how much stuff you can use them for. Um, and that's, that's what makes it fun, honestly, is trying new things, you know, thinking outside of the box. Oh, that's a new recipe. Well, how can I, how can I do it on a smoker? How can I do it on a Traeger? Um, it's just kind of fun. Makes, makes doing that stuff a little bit more exciting. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, uh, do you have any examples of, you know, trying new things, kind of thinking outside of the box and having it be successful for you? Yeah. The mac and cheese was a good one. Uh, one of the recipes uh, that I've uh, been making now for about three or four years um, is goose pastrami, which growing up, again, a pheasant hunter, I wasn't huge into waterfowl. Um, definitely had done it a couple times, but, you know, eating pheasant is like, you know, the king of king of birds for food and, you know, the upper Midwest, like so many awesome things you can make with pheasant. And, you know, ducks and geese maybe don't have that, that, uh, you know, high food status of something that's super good to eat, especially, especially uh, goose. So once I got into waterfowl hunting, I'm like, dang, I got to figure out a way how to make these into something that's going to taste good. Um, 
found a recipe from a couple different spots for pastrami and I was like, hmm, interesting. You know, not something I normally eat being pastrami. Goose, I've got plenty of that. Let's give it a shot. So um, I used the Traeger for it, but um, it was super simple. You basically brine, brine your breasts for about three days in the fridge um, with uh, some tender quick, ground pepper, brown sugar, onion powder, uh, dried thyme, coriander, some garlic, celery seed, and caraway seed. You brine it in, in the fridge for a few days. Um, after that, take it out, rinse them off. Um, just to take a little bit of salt off of them. And then I just let them soak in, soak in the fridge in a, in a bowl of water for maybe an hour or two. Um, in the meantime, while that's kind of soaking, go start your trigger up or your, your smoker, whatever you have. Um, get it up to about 160, 180 degrees, that smoke temperature. Take them out of the fridge, pat them dry. Add some black pepper, some coriander, some onion powder, garlic powder, paprika, and some more thyme. Coat the breasts in that and put them on the Traeger till they hit an internal temperature of about 145 degrees. And I have tricked more people eating goose pastrami than you'll ever know. Like you, you feed someone, you, you know, you give someone, hey, try this. They're like, what is that? Is that venison? Is it beef? You know, what is it? And you tell them it's goose and the reaction's the same every time. Their jaw hits the floor. It's like, really? I give my goose away all the time. Like I love shooting them, but I don't know whatever to do with them. And I was in that boat and the trigger kind of became a solution of, hey, what can I, what can I do with all this game meat um, and turn it into something really good? And goose pastrami is probably my favorite thing to process uh, using the trigger. And had I not got a trigger, it'd have been something I never probably would have stumbled into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great tip there. You know, there's there's a ton of waterfall hunters out there, and you know, I'm sure just about every one of them has that pain point. It's like I got so many birds out there, and you can only do the yep. same thing so many times. Let's yep. figure out something new and something delicious. So, yeah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to check that one out. Have yeah, you, that's that's for sure a good one. You know, going back to, again to like uh, non non meat or uh, other foods. I mentioned pizza earlier in passing, but uh, that can be a really cool way to do pizza, even if it's just cheap frozen pizza, or if you want to you know, actually make your own dough and do, you know, like a cast iron pizza or get a baking stone and put it on your, your grill grate and do it that way. Smokers are really great for that. Um, some of the best homemade pizzas I've had have been off, uh, green eggs. Um, cause they get really hot. Um, they convect, the temperature convects really well. So it cooks really even, you get nice crispy bottom. Green eggs make really, really good pizza. Um, and again, it's not something you'd think, okay, I'm going to go fire up the grill to cook a, cook a pizza. But again, they're just so versatile. You can use them for so many different things um, once you know how to use them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So is is there ever a time that came to mind where you tried something new and you just had an epic failure? Yep. I uh, still haven't figured it out yet is doing my own bacon. Um, I've tried it two, maybe three times. It's been, it's been a few years since I tried it cause I kind of, kind of gave up on it. I might have to give it a shot again. So it's been a while, but yeah, making my own bacon. So bought some pork bellies. Um, I've got a, an, a lem slicer, um, you know, slice up my own bacon, cured it first, did the whole thing. I've like done a couple different recipes, looked great, sliced great, smoked great, go to cook it. And I don't know what I did wrong with it. I think it was too much sugar maybe, and it would just burn the outside without cooking it. And just, it didn't taste good. Um, I, I managed to use it again. You're prideful of your creation. So I didn't throw it away. 
I would chop it up and use it for like uh, baked beans or or something like that. And it was it was actually pretty good for that. But yeah, I've tried bacon two three times, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. It's not something I've been able to master yet. And I, again, I could kind of given up on it. I might have to might have to revisit that one and see if I can figure out a way to get it done. <laughs> you know what? I, I got faith in you, Jake. And you know, <laughs> if, uh, you know, if it ends up getting a little burnt like that, like you said, put it in some baked beans or, Hey, do, do that Mac and cheese recipe yeah, you're doing. Toss it in there. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, do you have, you have any last words of wisdom before we, uh, close this out? Yeah. couple, you know, when you're at the store, you know, looking to purchase, whether it's a grill smoker, food processing kit, um, do a little homework before you go. Um, come with good questions. You know, our guys know a ton about about the stuff. A lot of a lot of us are users of them. You know, one piece of advice I'll give you if you're just getting into it and, and thinking about a first purchase is get the size bigger than you think you need. It's kind of like a gun safe. You see a ton of customers come in like, oh, time for your first gun safe. Nope, outgrew the old one. Okay, yep, I'm here for another one. So one big piece of advice I'd give you if you're if you're in the market for one, go with the size bigger. You're not going to regret getting one too big. Um, and again, you might be surprised of the things that you end up using it for, and having that extra space can be huge. But um, you know, have fun with it. Try new stuff. There's a million recipes out there. You know, I love taking a new recipe, putting my own spin on it. You know, adding different stuff, taking stuff away. Um, just makes it fun. Um, and it's just super fun and rewarding to enjoy that with, you know, friends and family or having people over. Um, actually, this Sunday for Easter, we're, I'm doing a brisket for a, a gathering. So looking forward to that. I might actually try something new this time. We'll see. Haven't quite decided. It's a little uh, little risky doing something new for a group of people before, you know, you do it at home by yourself for the first time. But just have fun with it. Try new stuff and kind of be open-minded of what you can use them for. Perfect. All right. Well, you know, thank you so much for your time and your uh, and your insight. You've got me excited to fire up the grill now. Try a few new things. That uh, that goose pastrami has me super intrigued. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Um, it's good to get a little time chatting with you about it again. It's a huge passion of mine. So any chance I get to to kind of share that with other people, I'm for sure for sure excited to do. So thanks again. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. You just heard our conversation with Jake Oxner on all things grilling. We just filmed this segment right after lunch, so you didn't have to hear my stomach rumbling through the microphone because he gave some great information on some tasty food, rubs, spices, preparation, you know, all things grilling, tips and tricks, you name it. If you want to hear more from Jake, head over to the Colony Shields Facebook and Instagram pages. You can see lots of stuff from him there. And we'll also be working on a blog page that's going to cover a lot of this information too. It's going to have recipes. It's going to have things like rib videos, all things grilling. Great place to check out that we're going to be building for you guys soon. If you like what you heard on today's segment, Make sure to give us a follow on the listening platform you chose today. And if you need anything for grilling, be it uh, a Traeger, a green egg, any sort of equipment, rubs, spices, sauces, pellets, make sure to head to your local Shields store or visit shields.com. And with that, we want to thank you all for listening and see you next time.
Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.